Hello and welcome to the Athletes Agency International Podcast. We are an athletic advising agency that provides opportunities for athletes from Australia and New Zealand to enroll in universities and play their sport in the collegiate system of the United States. My name is Joseph Terry. Currently, I'm an athletic advisor for Athletes Agency and also a former NCAA soccer player myself, and I'll be your host today. We wanted to start this podcast to further develop our personalized and family environment. Throughout this podcast, we will have our own athletes on as guests to share their experiences at their respective university. We represent athletes of all sports, and we want to shed light on their hard work and dedication. Today, our first guest of the podcast is Kyra Yap. I won't say too much, and I'll let Kyra share her story. Kyra is a tennis player from Brisbane, Australia. She came on board to our Australian branch, Aussie Athletes Agency, with an open mind and great work ethic, and has paid dividends. I really enjoyed hearing her story, and I know you will too. Okay, Kyra, hello and welcome to the first episode of Athletes Agency Podcast. We're really excited to have you, um, and we're excited to hear your story. You have a really good story, and I think uh, the listeners will can really relate and also be really impressed with what you are doing and will be doing in the future. Thanks, Joe. Um, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on here as your first guest. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, wanted to get this thing off to a good start. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into it. And if you can just start by, you know, sharing your upbringing as a tennis player, where you're from, when did you start playing, um, and kind of everything all the way leading it up to just before going to college. Just a brief okay. overview of, um, yeah, like what brought you and at what point did you decide to pursue uh, playing collegiate sports in the States? Um, okay, so I'm from Brisbane, Australia. Um, I started playing tennis when I was eight after I quit gymnastics because I broke too many bones. Wow. Um, so I played, yeah, I played tennis when I was eight and then when I was around 11, 12, I joined the National Academy and I met Dave Hodge there. Um, he was like the head coach there at the time. So I stayed with the National Academy for a couple more years. Um, but then when I was in grade 10, uh, I decided to quit the National Academy and I wasn't quite sure exactly what I wanted to do with my tennis because um, I knew I wasn't going to go pro, but it had been such a big part of my life. Time. I wasn't exactly ready to let it go just yet. And then I heard about how Dave had sent one of his other tennis players um, to the States uh, to go to college there. And I was interested um, in hearing more about that because academics is a big thing for me. And I thought it'd be cool if I got to study somewhere that I'd never been before and see the world a little bit. Yeah. And so after I, yeah, and that was how basically I ended up setting my sights on college. Awesome. No, it's um, it's always good where you can put both of your passions together and you can continue to play the sport, but also pursue something that uh, gives you a bit of a, you know, if, if the pro doesn't work out or if that was the goal, you know, you have something to rely on as well. Uh, and it's something that you're still interested in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so uh, obviously for those that don't know, uh, Dave Hodge is Mr. Athletes Agency. Uh, he, yeah, he does, he pretty much is the head of everything and uh, a very big part of our company. Um, he's very good at what he does. 
So can you tell us what it was like to work alongside Dave and uh, the benefits of him helping you find your opportunity? Um, so first off, I loved working with Dave. So because I knew him as a tennis coach, I actually I started working with him as my tennis coach. So from grade like 10 to 12 till I left for the U.S., Dave was my coach. Um, so I got to know him like as a tennis coach and then as like uh, my agent for Aussie Athletes Agency. Um, all I can say is that I think he genuinely wants the best for everyone. So he's definitely one of the nicest people that I've ever um, had the opportunity to come across. I also worked with him to help him coach a bit. So I did a lot of other stuff with him, but he does everything in his power to get you to where he thinks is going to be the best fit for you. And I think he does that very well. Yeah. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on. Um, we really like to be a personalized group. We really like to get to know our athletes, um, it, their desires and what fits their needs on and off the court or the field or whatever sport it is they may play. Uh, it's really important to us. Um, and it's also really important that we make sure that they're going into an environment where they can make an impact or contribute and make sure that they're also growing as an athlete on and off the field or court. Um, so where, where did you end up attending? Um, so I ended up attending Rutgers University in New Jersey. So it's the State University of New Jersey. Um, it's in the Big Ten Conference. It joined, they say fairly recently, but now it's probably been maybe like eight or nine years since they joined the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Very good. And uh, what were there any other schools or what sold you on Rutgers? So one of the big things was because, uh, so I grew up, you know, only really knowing the big universities, mm -hmm. like all the Ivy League, Stanford, Berkeley. So for a long time, I wanted to go to Ivy League schools. Um, but the issue with them is that they don't really offer athletic scholarships. Uh, so that was a big funding issue. I was actually looking at Dartmouth at one point, but then the coach, the head coach Dartmouth and the head coach at Rutgers at the time were really good friends. So the Rutgers coach got in contact with me and I'd never heard of Rutgers before, but I knew I wanted to go to like a big state university. So after I realized that it was a big state university, it's about an hour's train ride from New York. It's in like, um, there are a lot of things to do there. Uh, so when I realized I liked the location at the time, I also wanted four seasons um, and I really liked the coach and I talked to a couple of the girls on the team and I really liked them. So it seemed like a good fit for me. Awesome. And working alongside with athlete agency, um, what, what things didn't you know about beforehand that was a massive help? You know, I know, uh, obviously the SAT for some uh, athletes is a very foreign thing obviously that's in the states that's you know common uh what other things yeah. along the way did dave uh an athlete's agency teach you um i think a big thing dave did was i guess he really i would say expanded my horizons in that i originally when i started looking i had a very very select few places where i would have considered going but mm -hmm. after like talking to Dave about how a lot of these universities, which you don't necessarily consider to be good universities because you haven't heard of them from um, an international country, they're actually really good universities. Yeah. So one thing was realizing that Rutgers is like, it's a really big research university. And because I'm in like that field, it was, it would be a really good fit for me. Um, another thing 
that I think was really big is that we never here have like an environment where sports and academics kind of go hand in hand. Whereas the US, like for US for athletes, uh, college athletes, like they try and make it work together. So that was something that wasn't necessarily as familiar to me because a lot of the time I either had to sacrifice going to school or sacrifice tennis in order to try and balance uh, the two lives that I led. Yeah, it's definitely something that every um, new uh, a, a fr- coming in as your freshman year, um, obviously, uh, a- athletes agency, all of our agents are are former athletes. So when we share our experiences to our players, it's because we know we've been there. And that's exactly what Dave did for you. Um, when you when you first got to America, what was what was adjusting to the life like? Was it a, any big challenges? Um, and what were your thoughts, you know, of living in America before you even came uh, compared to what it actually is? Uh, it was actually a lot different from what I was expecting. <laughs> so I remember because I'd never been to the U.S. before. So the first time I arrived, I arrived at Newark Airport in New Jersey, which is like it's one of the biggest airports in the U.S., but it doesn't look like it. So I arrived there, I got on the train, and it was kind of like the sun had set. And all I remember is I was surprised by how, I guess, suburban, not suburban, but not city, the area that we were going through looked like. And then I think one of the biggest shocks for me in terms of like what the US is actually like is when I went to New York for the first time and I absolutely hated it (laughs) because I was like, yeah, I hated it. I was expecting the last really, really big city I'd been to was Tokyo, which is like a really new city. So I was expecting New York to be quite a modern city, but New York is old. It is. Like it's really old. And one of the biggest things that still bugs me to this day is how old and flimsy the traffic lights are. <laughs> just like there are these, thing. like, just it's really petty, but these, like, silly little, tra- like, yellow traffic lights. I don't know. They really bug me. <laughs> um, and then obviously there was the cultural shock, which you might not think there is one, but there definitely is one. So I can definitely say every single state you go to in the U.S. will have a different culture. So in New Jersey, it's different from Pennsylvania. It's different from upstate New York. And I remember when I was in. Um, my dorm for the first time, I would like see people and I would say, oh, how are you going? And they would get really confused as to what I was asking them. And they would think, I don't know what they thought, but a lot of the time I got people saying to me, oh, like I'm going back to my room. <laughs> and it just like, there was just, yeah, that a bit of a barrier there. No, I, I like, obviously when you're, when you're part of the athletics, you know, you, you get introduced to a bunch of different internationals. Uh, so I would assume that there were other internationals on your team, correct? Yeah. So when I started, actually half the team. So we had eight girls on the team and half of us were international. So there was me, a girl from China, a girl from Israel, and a girl from Latvia. So out of all the people, like all the different groups, I guess, at Rutgers, athletes have probably the highest percentage of internationals. So a lot of my really good friends who are athletes are actually internationals. Yeah, um, I had the same, you know, similar experience at my first school. I, I went to Regis mm-hmm. University and um, my roommate was from Newcastle, uh, England. And I don't know if okay. I don't know if you ever heard someone they're called Geordies. If you ever heard them speak, uh, it's, you know, it's like a, it sounds like a different language. It's oh. it, it's impossible to understand when you don't when you're not used to it. And for the first two uh, weeks yeah. of you know, rooming with them and 
getting to know him. And we had loads of other internationals as well from all over, but I couldn't understand a word. But now, now it's like second nature to me. But you get to really learn about other people's backgrounds. And um, sometimes you get uh, opportunities to go and visit them. There was a time where I got to go visit his family and we're, we're still good friends. So you really get to build lifelong relationships throughout your time, you know, with your team and, you know, you're connected all over the world. So it's really uh, a really full circle experience. I mean, I joke and say that I have uh, adopted parents in the U.S. because I go to my best friend's place in Florida every Thanksgiving and her parents are yeah. amazing and, and they treat me like one of their own. And how great is Thanksgiving? It's a lot of food. <laughs> it is a lot. There's this, there's this one uh, cake that her mom makes for me, and I request it every single year because after I had that first year, it was so good. <laughs> uh, so I live for that cake. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, you know, speaking about your adjusting life to uh, America, can you tell us a little bit more about your normal week at Rutgers as an athlete? Obviously, right now, you know, sadly, we have the COVID-19 that that has obviously cut your senior season short, correct? Uh, so uh, an interesting thing about me, I'm not sure if you know this, but I actually medically retired at the end of my junior year. Oh, so wow. I guess I'll say, so every, every year for me in terms of athletics is very different. So freshman year, I did not have a very good year. I had a terrible year, actually. Um, so I... I stayed every single summer while I was in the U.S. So freshman oh, wow. year, I had a bad year. And then so freshman, the summer of that year, there was a research program at Rutgers where they would um, give you a scholarship and give you money to be there and research in a lab. So I applied for that. I got into that. And so I was also training a lot at the time. So I would split my days between research and training. And then I was playing a lot of ITA tournaments, so a lot of the summer college tournaments. Um, and that summer, I actually I tore my ACL when things were starting oh. to look up. So I tore my ACL, I think it was like June or July, I don't remember, uh, so in 2017. And then I had to have two surgeries on that mm. because it didn't recover well the first time. And so I wasn't able to start playing again until the start of the summer at the end of my sophomore year. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so that whole year was pretty like tough. I'm not going to lie, that was tough. And then I played all through my junior year, and then I ended up medically retiring at the end of my junior year. Okay. So it's been it's been very different for me every year. Yeah, it's been but it's been can... a rocky road for sure. And I, I'm I sure I'm sure the first year when you're just adjusting to life and all that you know kind of happening, uh, it definitely takes some you know character to come back from that. How what how uh, you know tell us about you know, how Athletes Agency was with you every step of that way? Um, I think it was really hard for me. So one thing that I was always really worried about and one of the reasons why, like, my freshman year wasn't, it was pretty bad, was because I was, I felt like I was putting myself under so much pressure because I thought I was going to get kicked off the team and then I was worried that I would not be able to stay at the university and like all the relationships and everything that I'd built up there like would be gone and I'd have to start from scratch mm -hmm. and like while it is when you look back at it it is a pretty like irrational fear it's still if you get paired with someone who doesn't match well with you um it, it's something that could realistically happen so that was one thing like my freshman year that was 
I was really stressed about. And then when I tore my ACL, I was really worried that they were going to kick me off now because I couldn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where Dave was very helpful in calming my nerves and explaining to me how the process worked and how like they weren't like allowed to do that, that they would like be there with me while I recovered. Correct. And that I would be fine in terms of like keeping my scholarship and not have to worry about getting kicked off and being stranded. Yeah, absolutely. And also tell us about how the, you know, the um, athletic trainers at Rutgers and the facilities uh, for your recovery and how nice that was. Um, So I had an amazing PT. Um, She is, she was amazing. But basically, they, because I didn't have, so for my first surgery, my dad flew over. Um, Because of how bad my knee was, basically, I had to go in for surgery as soon as possible. So he flew over in, like, a few days after hearing what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But they, the trainers were really good. Like, they would drive me to the surgery place. They drove me back. They would pick me up if they, like, if I was stuck on, because, so Rutgers is split into five mini campuses, and so that summer I was on a different campus to where our training facility was, so they would drive me back and forth as they needed to, Um, and right after surgery, I was in every single day, and I was in for an hour and a half, and the thing about, like, PTs specifically, so we have trainers and then personal trainers, so the PTs are the ones that deal with post-surgery, and then the trainers are the ones that you have for all your general injuries, so every trainer at Rutgers had like a few sports that they would do and then the PT would be just for surgery recovery because we had a lot of surgeries a lot of athletes getting surgeries so basically I would just see the PT every day for like an hour and a half and they're there to get you through like the physical and I guess mental journey because it's it's tough and like you have to learn how to walk again and so there are a lot of times where you think like if I can't walk, I'm never going to be able to play my sport again. And they're there to help you through it. Correct, correct. And also, um, obviously, when you are when you have a torn ACL, you can't walk. You can't really get to class uh, normally. Uh, tell us, you know, how, how the school helped with that, um, you know, and maybe teammates helped out. You know, tell us a little bit about that. So because I did this in the summer, I actually didn't have any – teammates around to help me with that but so in the lab I was working because I had to be there every every day so every morning basically I um so I was under I was working with a grad student so she was just really nice and would pick me up on her way in every day or I would get people with cars who I had become friends with just to give me lifts as needed and then once the semester started I wasn't on crutches anymore but I had a really big knee brace so I took a lot of Ubers because mm-hmm. um, I lived kind of far. I moved off campus my sophomore year. And it's just I had so my teammates when they were back would give me rides when they could. Um, I had other friends as well with cars who I would ask for rides. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and, you know, obviously we've been to, we've been talking a lot about the sports side of things. But what about the academics? Um, can you tell us what you chose as your major? Why, you know, that's interested you? and basically handling that major along with uh, playing. Okay, um, so I, uh, so one thing about me is like, I just try and I'm super busy all the time. Like I cram so many things in. So I 
When I originally started, I wanted, for some reason, to double major in chemistry and political science. Okay. Uh, wow. Because I was really interested. Yeah, it was really random. I was really interested in like climate change and energy and also, I guess, policy a little bit. Well, I wasn't sure what I was interested in. I thought I was interested in that. But after I took my first political science class, um, my first semester, I absolutely hated it. So I just switched to a chemistry major. And then at the end of my first year, I had an interview with one of the chemical engineering professors about working in his lab um, and basically spent the entire interview asking me why I wasn't a chemical engineer and it was something that I had considered but a lot of my friends here in Australia went into engineering not because they liked it but for the money that they thought they were going to get once they came out the other side mm -hmm. and I was adamant when I started my degree that I wouldn't go into a degree just for the money so if I liked it I would do it but I wasn't going to go into it just because I knew I was going to make money. Nice. But after that interview, I ended up switching to chemical engineering and I've absolutely loved it. I do a lot of like other academic stuff on top of that. So I'm like, I work in a chemistry lab. Um, I was a chemical engineering ambassador this year. And I also, I'm like a learning assistant, which is, so Rutgers has like undergrads who are the equivalent of like TAs, so teaching assistants. So I would just like lead a study group and like teach some people to help them in classes that I already took. No, very nice. And yeah, I I can see that uh, academically you you really excelled. Uh, you know, in your first, it looks like your first year you had the Big Ten Distinguished uh, Scholar and then the next two years you were in the all Big Ten academic team. So that's a really well done to you. Um, and obviously your dedication and hard work is paying off. Um, I forgot to mention like the balancing the athletics because that was actually a big, a really big part of it. Yeah, it's if you want me yeah. to mention that. Oh, please, yeah, because it's very, it's um, it's something that a lot of people don't really think about uh, how stu how busy student athletes really are. Um, so yeah, yeah. If, if you really want, yeah, if you could just tell us, you know, on a normal a normal day with training, um, waking up to going to bed, what's what's that schedule like? Um, okay, so one other thing with like being once I switched into engineering that was especially like different for athletics was because a lot of my classes, my major classes only had one section a day, a lot of them ended up conflicting with like offset practice time. So I had to work with like um, my coach and my department a lot to try and figure out like a different schedule where I could maybe practice before I had class and then go to class and like do lift after. So I had to work around with a lot of different people to try and make like a schedule work for me and that's a big thing especially like for engineering where they don't have many sections so uh, one of my my best friend is on the gymnastics team and she's like a material science engineer so she has a lot of like all her classes are during when they practice so she'll have to do things like come in afterwards and stuff so a big thing that like you learn is you just you have to kind of compromise and make sacrifices in order to do all the things that you want to do absolutely um but typical day so i'll do it when i so my junior year, so that year my coaches decided that they wanted us to run uh, 5K twice a week at 7 a.m. So okay, yeah. for those days, <laughs> yeah, so those days sucked. Um, so basically I'd wake up at 6.30, go run 5K at 7 a.m., be done around 7.45ish, and then I had an 8.40 class. So I'd race home, um, shower, and I'd ha had class from 8.40 to 10, 10.20 to 11.40, and then practice daily from 12.30 to 
3, 3.30. So I would do that. And then I think that semester in terms of academics was one of my lighter ones. So I didn't have uh, evening classes. But on the days when I didn't have evening classes, sometimes I would go back to my lab. Or if I didn't have morning classes, I would go into lab before practice. And then we lifted twice a week. So on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would practice from 12.30 to 3 and then lift from 3 to 4. Okay. Yeah, very hands-on. Uh, it takes a lot of structure um, and, and discipline, discipline, self-discipline uh, to yeah. make sure you stay on task. Obviously, you know, with you, ha you have a schedule, you can follow it, but also it's more about what you're doing outside of that schedule. So like you said, you're going, you know, you're going back to the lab to do some extra studying. Um, and yeah, those are things that just have to be done. Um, also, can you tell us what your first like exams were like, you know, your, your midterms, your finals, it's a lot of, it's a lot of studying. It's a lot of cramming. Um, you know, what was that? Was that a big adjustment for you? Um, personally, it wasn't just because when I, during high school, I'd had a lot of, because I, in two weeks of school, I only went to, I guess, three full days of school a week because I was practicing. Um, and because I played like tournaments every weekend, I'd gotten good at handling my time. But I know for a lot of people, it's always the first semester will always be your worst semester. Like even for me, it was my worst semester in terms of GPA and things. Um, one thing that's a big change about the US compared to Australia. So before I went over, I did a semester of university at in Australia just to get a couple of classes out of the way. And they have like you get a mid semester break and then before finals, you get like a week off. Um, a big thing about the US for the fall semester is the only break you get. And when I say break, uh, I get like you get two days off for Thanksgiving. So you get the Thursday, Friday off. So that's not really a break. And then for finals, we usually get one reading day. So we get one day off before our finals start. So I think that's a big thing in that like like you have to make sure you're not cramming everything uh, in finals because you don't have a week off like you do here at home uh, to make sure you have everything in order. Yeah, it's very much um, consistently staying up to date with your studies along throughout the entire yeah. semester. You know, if you wait and you wait and you wait and you put it off, then obviously when exams come, you know, it's going to be cram time um, and you, yeah. don't, you don't want that. Uh, speaking of, you know, studying and whatnot can you tell me about when you would go on away trips and handling your studies that way as well yeah that is definitely something that's really hard to do especially when you're traveling my um advice is try and get as much done before you leave as possible and i know sometimes it's hard because like we would leave so in the fall we would travel away maybe three times because it wasn't we were off season um, so we would leave like Wednesday, Thursday. So trying to get everything done before then is hard. But in the spring, when you're you're away every single weekend, so from like Thursday to Sunday, you have to try and get as much done beforehand because you have no time on the weekend to study. Like I would be studying on planes, in vans, because once you get to the hotel, it's like it's all about the match the next day. Like you have to like make sure you get to sleep early. You have to wake up early to warm up, to eat properly. So you really get like very little time. So I spent a lot of time studying like on the plane trips, on the bus trips, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And also tell us a little bit about um, how you guys are looked after on your way trips with the meals, the travel, hotels. Um, yeah, give us a little insight into that. Um, so 
I think we were looked after really well. We always stayed in really nice hotels. So it would be uh, two of us to a room. We'd have like double beds. Uh, my coach was, I know there are some places where, or some coaches will restrict like your meals. Like you'll go to a restaurant and they'll say you can only have like, uh, you can choose from A, B, or C, but my coach was really good. We would go to a restaurant. She'd say, okay, like, this is your budget. So you can spend $20 on dinner, get what you want. And we went to a lot of different places. So I'd say we, it was always nice, like, when we traveled because we got to go and, like, actually eat at decent places. And you get to see um, a lot of other parts of the U.S. Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, despite playing at home at Rutgers, you know, what was your favorite place to travel to every year? Well, actually, one thing that we did every year, and I think a lot of other schools do this as well, is every spring break trip, we would go somewhere really nice. So my freshman year, we went to Vegas. Um, I was 16 at the time. So that was pretty interesting. Oh, wow. uh, and then the next year, yeah, the next year we went to Florida. So we went to Orlando. So I got to go to Disney World. Oh, very um, which nice. I hadn't been to before. And then my junior year, we went to New Orleans. So we go to, like, we travel to a lot of uh, iconic places that are really cool to see. Yeah. And so those were definitely my favorite trips. Those awesome. Ones. And some of those trips, you would you guys fly as a team, take the bus? Um, yeah. So we flew to all of those because they're really far from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Most of our traveling trips, because uh, we're a lot further from like the big 10 schools except for so we fly to basically all of them except maybe penn state or maryland gotcha um very good yeah those experiences i remember some of the best times are the way trips and you're you're you know you're outside the normal school environment and you're kind of just with your team um and you just really get to like build some memories it's really nice to look back on yeah um you know Speaking further, uh, you did a lot of great things at Rutgers. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are you're finishing up right now uh, online? Yeah, so I have like a week and a half, two weeks left, and then I'm done. Very nice. Tell us, um, you know, it's a very strange time right now with the COVID-19. What was that yeah. like? You know, you were in the States, and then you're now back in Brisbane. You're finishing online. Tell us what that was like. Uh, it was it was really scary. Um, it happened really quickly. So I remember it was three days before spring break. So one of my professors had mentioned before um, when I was working for him, he had mentioned like getting prepared for if we were going to go online. And at the time I was like, oh, go online. Like I was like, that's not going to happen. Um, and then not even a week later, we got an email from the university saying they were going to be closing. There'd be no classes the rest of the week. And after spring break that everything would be online until at least April 3rd and I was like oh okay that's pretty extreme and then the next day everyone who was in the dorms got an email saying they had to be out by the next day at 7 p.m um they had to have moved out or not even moved out they just had to leave and go back unless they were from out of state or international um so I was actually I had grad school visits planned for those weekends for our spring break so they all got canceled I was planning on going to Boston I ended up canceling that so I ended up going back to one of my friend's houses in New Jersey because they put down basically because it was like really stressful to be there and I wanted to get out of mm -hmm. uh, campus so then I ended up at her place for a few days and I thought I was going to be there for a while because um, they'd only put things online through April 3rd and so we weren't sure if they were going to put it online for the rest of the semester or not and then 
like every day with the news and things would change so quickly like and overnight like you would get all these new announcements so honestly maybe three or four days into spring break uh they canceled so they put the entire semester online and then every country was closing up its borders so i was planning on leaving the next tuesday and then i got so originally i was planning on leaving around mid-april and then i was like no i'm gonna leave next tuesday and then after I saw that Australia had started closing its borders, I was really worried that like they would, oh, and then I heard like they were canceling like Qantas and Virgin were canceling flights. And so I was just really worried that I was not going to get back home and be stranded in the US with mm -hmm. no support system. And so I called my parents and I was like a mess. I was like, I need to leave tomorrow. I will pack up. So I was living off campus in a house. So I was like, I will go home. I'll pack up everything overnight. I had a car, um, so I put everything and I was going to take with me in my car, stuck my car in a storage locker and then flew out the next day. Wow. Uh, so that was so getting back was so stressful, like time was going so slowly and things were so stressful. But since coming back, like I've fallen into a routine. Um, one of the most annoying things is definitely the time difference because we're 14 hours ahead. So I've had at the start, I had classes at like 5 a.m. I know some of my other um, Aussie friends who are in the US playing tennis, like they have classes at 3 a.m. and stuff. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of a mess at the start, but my professors and like all the people, I have a lot of group projects, they've all been really like uh, accommodating. And so we do a lot of stuff more like 8 or 9 a.m. in the morning for me. So it's basically like I have a lot of schoolwork in the morning, but then from around like 1130, it's I'm done for the day. Well, that's nice. Um... Yeah. yeah, it's obviously not ideal situation to be finishing up your, you know, your last semester at Rutgers online. But um, something that we are really <coughs> proud of, of you for doing is, you know, um, reaching out. You mentioned that you're, you were going to go look at some grad schools. So tell us about what's your next step. Um, so my next step is... I'm gonna pursue my PhD in chemical engineering. Um, I decided to go to Stanford University. So one of like the actual, one of the reasons actually why I switched into engineering is because in the US, like you can go, you can get a job straight out of your bachelor's in engineering. Whereas a lot of other disciplines like the science disciplines, biology, chemistry, you have to get a PhD if you wanna get a decent job. And so I was like, yes, I'm sick of school. I'm gonna like, after I get this degree, I'm gonna go get a job. Um, and then I had an internship actually last summer working at Corning Glass. So they make like the glass screens for iPhones, Samsung phones, like all your TVs and things. And like oh, wow. the whole four, the whole 4G network is from um, is made by them. So I interned there and that's in upstate New York, like in the middle of nowhere. And it was it was really rough for me, <laughs> like working an eight to five job. Uh, I was not ready for it because I'm still not like I'm only I only just turned 20 a few days ago. So it's it's really hard when you have to work and you can't like go and enjoy drinks or something with your coworkers afterwards. So that was really one of the things which made me realize that, no, I need to go back and like do a little more school before I get a job. And also because I want to stay in the U.S. after. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get sponsorship or even to get job offers if you don't have um, a PhD because when you have a PhD, you have specialized knowledge and so they'll have a reason to, I guess, look at you and hire you. And that was another another reason. And then the last one is just I really like researching. Um, it's actually been my passion for a while. So and you have more freedom in your PhD than you would at a job. So that was another reason. Yeah, I, I see that you're 
you know, outside of school, you're all, you, you know, you've mentioned you did some internships. I see you're also part of, uh, you know, the Society of Women Engineers, uh, the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. You've been doing intern work at Corning uh, Incorporated. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's the one I just mentioned. Yeah, that's, you know, that's really good work. Uh, really, you know, putting yourself out there and also kind of embracing the, you know, the overall experience. Um, that's really good stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, you mentioned that you, you plan that you want to stay in the States. Um, Stanford, uh, that's an amazing school. We're, we're all really excited for you. Uh, Thank to you. Be going to a university such as Stanford, uh, really, uh, you really deserve it. All your hard work is really uh, paid off and will continue to pay off, I'm sure. Um, I hope so. Yeah, no, we know so. And, uh, you know, it's been really good to hear your story. Um, I think you can really shed some light for, you know, athletes who are maybe interested in this path or maybe on a similar journey, maybe somebody picked up an injury, um, you know, in their season as well. And they're struggling to kind of see the future. And you're kind of a perfect example of how to um, embrace that, you know, embrace that time and make it a positive. Um, so you did really well yeah. with that. I think like one big thing that I realized when I went over there that was really different about Australia is that people are so involved in so many things. Like a lot of my good friends are presidents of all these different organizations. And that's one thing that I had to learn to do was to embrace like all the opportunities I had and to start, I guess, putting myself out there and do all these different things because going to the US, there's so much that you can do there there are so many things you can be a part of like internships you can be in organizations you can have jobs work on campus be advocates things like that um, and that was like a big thing that I had to learn especially after my first year was that like everyone there is involved in something and I my advice to everyone who like wants to go over to the U.S. is like be an athlete, be a student, but also like try and like get involved in as many things as you can because you'll meet some great people and you'll also have like all these different experiences and you don't know like where they'll take you. Like maybe you'll make connections or you go get to go in a conference to the other side of the country or something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, by doing that, you you can look back at experience and kind of think, you know, really like I don't regret anything I did. I tried everything. I put myself yeah. out in anything. And uh, I guess that would be, you know, our, our next question is, you know, looking back at your your time at Rutgers, you know, even before so uh, leading up to going to Rutgers, would there is there anything that you would change or, um, you know, looking back at that experience, what, what is there anything you would have done differently or did everything kind of looking back go well? I think looking back at it, it definitely did not go at all how I anticipated it could go. Um, but at the end of the day, I am very happy with where I am now. And I'm very, very grateful that I had the opportunity to go to Rutgers and I wouldn't change anything. I think Rutgers ended up actually being the perfect school for me. I met people that I'm great friends with. I'm still a part of the tennis team, even though I medically retired, like I was the, um, team manager. So I helped them in that way. I met some of my best friends and I had some great experiences. So all in all, honestly, I, there's nothing that I regret. Awesome. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's good to hear. So, uh, and that's Dave what did we, his job well. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what we aim for. And that, so it's always good to hear your stories and, uh, 
you know, look back at your full college experience and you're, you still got more, which is awesome. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation. It's been a pleasure. Um, uh, and I just got two, two last things for you and then, you know, I'll let you go. Um, sure. first, what, what was your favorite thing about working with that athletes agency? And then second, uh, what would be four essentials like an America starter pack before, you know, if you were going to tell someone that's going to the state soon, what would be four essentials to bring? Okay. So the first question, um, definitely the people, I think the people were the best part of working with Aussie athletes agency because I like Dave a lot as a person and because of that I felt very comfortable with placing my future in his hands and trusting that he would do a good job for me um and then four things that I would recommend oh this is tough honestly this really depends where you're going so mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it for New Jersey um one is a coat <laughs> because it's really cold <laughs> and yep. it snows um two is Vegemite for Australians or wherever you're coming from, I would bring something novel that you can show off to them. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's another thing? Three, something that reminds you of home because like you're moving away from home, you're pretty young, you will get homesick. So for me, I brought my teddy bear that I've had for like 10 years over with me. Um, and the last thing is an open mind because in the US there are so many different uh, groups of people that you'll meet and a big thing is just have an open mind because a lot of them will end up surprising you because I know a lot of them ended up surprising me in good ways. Awesome. No, that, those are, those are four great things. And especially you, you would definitely need a coat for New Jersey. Absolutely. <sighs> the winners yeah. are brutal. Um, <laughs> but no, that that's great. And you really ended it nice with an open mind. Cause that's so true. Um, you meet all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds and it's best to go in with an open mind and, uh really you know get to know people um yeah it's nice yeah. when they surprise you definitely absolutely well kyra it's been a pleasure speaking with you we loved to we loved your story and we also look forward to seeing what you do out in stanford um athletes agency is proud of you uh all your hard work it's been a pleasure to hear you out and also to see your hard work come you know, to fruition. Uh, so with that said, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and end it here. We'll let you go. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk soon and stay safe. Okay. What a great story. Kyra overcame injuries while keeping an open mind to make the best out of her experience. And that's what it's all about. She's now only 20 years old and will be attending Stanford University in California to pr pursue her PhD. That's right, her PhD at 20 years old. Incredible. I certainly enjoyed hearing her story, and I'm sure you did too. Please go follow our social media accounts at Kiwi Athletes Agency and also at Aussie Athletes Agency on Instagram. And thank you for tuning in to our first episode, and see you next time.